Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 112. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 3 and on. We'll see how far we get. So unless you're driving, turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 3. Now we said last time that this uh, Hebrews was written, not necessarily as a letter, but more as a homily. And it was to encourage people who had been Jewish, who then converted to Christianity, but then got some backlash from their families, from their communities, etc. And with all of the persecution that they were getting, not just from, from the Jewish folks, but from the Roman folks as well, there were some who were wondering, did I make the right choice? And and so, uh, as we said last time, uh, the book of Hebrews was written to encourage people to double down on their on their Christian faith, right? And so we're going to see in chapters three and on where the author is comparing the Old Testament heroes, if you will, with the ultimate New Testament hero, which is Jesus. And we see here in chapter 3, um, the author is going to make the point that Jesus is superior to Moses, this Moses who we will read about extensively in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, when we study the Old Testament. He is a hero. He brought his people, Israel, to the promised land, although only a couple of them actually made it that far. But we'll we'll talk more about that in, in a minute. So um, he's, he's wanting his, uh, the author is wanting his people to say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus is superior to Moses. We see in chapter three, verse three, talking about Jesus, the author says, he is worthy, worthy of more glory than Moses, as the founder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Because remember, Jesus is co-eternal with the Father. He was there long before there was Moses. Um, Jesus was in, in heaven, co-eternal with the Father. He only came to earth for a period of time, 2,000 or so years ago, but he was always with uh, he, he always existed. Moses did not. Um, verse 4, every house is founded by someone, but the founder of all is God. Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant. So you might want to underline servant there. So Moses is a servant to testify to what would be spoken, but Christ was faithful as a son. So who who has who has higher sway, higher rank, the Son of God or a mere servant of God? Although Jesus was also a servant, uh, as as well. So then, he uh, quotes yet another Old Testament quotation in verse seven. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, "Oh, that today you would harden, hear His voice." Harden not your hearts as the rebellion in the day of testing in the desert. So 
I would underline, if, if I were you, verses 7 through 11. This Old Testament quotation, we'll read it all together, but um, right in your margins, next to verses 7 through 11, that's from Psalm 95, verse 7 and 11. And I might back up and say, you know, last session, I gave you a whole bunch of quotes from the, the first uh, couple of chapters of Hebrews from the Old Testament, and I made this statement that the the author is trying to connect the Old St- Old Testament to the New Testament to show that they all kind of flow together, and that the New Testament or the New Covenant is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant, right? And so I would encourage you to go back in your Bibles and uh, cross reference those Old Testament passages that I mentioned last time. That is, you know, I gave you last time as we were studying in Hebrews, the Old Testament passages, and I urged you to write them in the margins. But what you might want to do is then go back to those Old Testament passages, underline those, and in those margins, write the New Testament verses that would correspond with them. So you'll get a better idea of the flow of the two of the two testaments there and how they fit together, uh, not unlike a jigsaw puzzle does. Okay, for those of you who like puzzles. Okay, so what's he talking about? I've just had you underline verses uh, seven through through eleven. And I just had you say right in your margins, Psalm 95, 7 through 11 as well. Um, But this Psalm 95, 7 through 11 refers to the Exodus experience. Uh, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, and we will talk about that uh, to a a much greater extent when we study the Old Testament. Bottom line is Exodus is where is the book of the Bible where Moses gets the people out of Egypt and gets them to leave Pharaoh and Egypt and start going towards the promised land. They don't get there in Exodus, but um, it's where they, they leave Egypt, right? And you may know that uh, the, the Jewish people spent 40 years, whether that's a literal 40 years or whether that is symbolic um, because the number 40 is always a time of preparation, right? So um, let's, read, let's read this and see if it makes more sense in light of Um, this passage describing the Exodus experience. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at the rebellion in the day of testing in the desert. Uh, You know, in in the desert, the people grumbled, hey, I don't have enough to eat. I don't have water to drink, etc. He says, where your ancestors, and he's talking about in Exodus Uh, like Exodus 17 would be an example of that, where your ancestors tested and tried me, meaning tested and tried God, and saw my works for 40 years. So God fed them for 40 years in the desert. There was manna from heaven and and water from the rock, etc. But the people still complained. 
Because of this, I was provoked with that generation, again, the Exodus generation, and I said, they have always been of erring heart, and they do not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And actually, only a, a couple of guys, and we'll talk about this when we uh, talk about the Old Testament, only a couple of them actually make it to the promised land. God promised that all would make it who followed him, but many chose not to follow him, and they were disobedient along the way. So why are we spending so much time talking about this? Again, let's look at the similarity between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, yeah, God said, I've got a place for you. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you this promised land, but you got to follow me. You got to be faithful you you know you 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 need to stay with it daily okay and we're going to see that that same promise that's is is available to us to provide rest in eternal life through the new covenant let's read on verse 12 take care brothers that none of you may have an evil and unfaithful heart so as to forsake the living god Encourage yourselves, how often? Encourage yourselves daily. I would underline this verse 12 and 13 and, uh, entirely. Encourage yourselves daily, and I would circle the word daily, while it is still today. Don't say, you know, one day I think I, I'm going to develop a relationship with God. One day I'll give it more thought. But right now I'm thinking more about my job or my health or my family or, or whatever. Do it today. Make a commitment today. Today I'm going to start spending more time with the Lord in prayer, in adoration, in service, in scripture reading, in scripture, scripture studying, etc., so verse 13, encourage yourselves daily while it is still today. So don't wait till tomorrow. So that none of you may grow hardened by the deceit of sin. Verse 14, we have become partners of Christ if only we hold the beginning of the reality firm until the end. Make sure you underline verse 14 or, you know, maybe with a crayon, the whole verse 14 and then underline until the end. So we as Catholics recognize it's not enough to just say, yeah, I trusted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I mean, that's great and that's essential, but we have to stay with that until the end, right? Till the end of our lives. We don't give up early. We don't say, well, I'm safe because there was a moment in time when I was, you know, X years old that, uh, you know, that I decided that uh, I trusted in Jesus. Uh, that's great, but uh, again, as we will see in our uh, next book of the Bible, James, faith without works is is dead, right? Okay, and then he goes on in verse 16, 17, 18, and 19, and he says, uh, verse 19, for example, he says, we see that they, the people of the Exodus who, who disobeyed, um, we see that they could not enter for lack of faith. So um, the writer of Hebrews equates disobedience with lack of faith, right? So I think that's, uh, that's pretty important. 
right? You show your faith by your actions. Uh, so that's very Catholic, isn't it? Um, and obviously, if you if your actions are disobedient, then uh, you know there's a question as to how much faith you really have, right? And uh, it's pretty clear um, from verse fourteen, it, we have to. It, you know, we become partners of Christ if only we hold the beginning of the reality firm until the end. Okay, moving on to chapter four. He talks about the rest. Okay, so in this, in the writer of Hebrews comparison, God promised the people, the, the Israelites, rest in the promised land. If you will follow me till the end, if you trust in me and follow me, I will give you rest in the promised land. Now, of course, we as Christians, we are offered, we can still uh, decline the offer, we are offered rest as well in the New Covenant, in, in the writings of the New Testament. But the rest that we have is eternal life. Um, uh, if we follow. Verse 3, For we who believed enter into that rest, just as he has said, as, and here's another, you know, uh, again from Psalm 95, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And yet his works were accomplished at the foundation of the world. So God had this plan from the beginning. You have a free will. You can choose to reject the plan. But, um, you know, God will work with whatever, whatever, you, uh, whatever you give him. So um, a lot in chapter 4 talks about... A, achieving, uh, getting a rest, you know, resting in God. And I'm reminded of a quote from St. Augustine, who uh, in, in the uh, fourth century said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, only in God can the human heart rest, or I've heard it said another way, there's a little hole in your heart that only God can fill. And of course, we try to fill it with everything else in, that the world has to offer, but you will always find something missing, and that something is, is God. So uh, try to fill that heart by, uh, by inviting God into your, your heart to, to fill it, okay? Um, and lest we uh, didn't get it the first couple of times, this author of Hebrews um, talks about disobedience and uh, its uh, consequences of not finding rest in heaven. Look at the second part of verse 6. He says, Those who formerly received the good news did not enter, and he's talking about heaven, because of what? disobedience. Okay, so it's pretty clear for those Protestants who might be listening who say, well, you know, I'm speaking, again, Protestantism is such a, a, uh, a broad term. I'm speaking more of the evangelical uh, people who would claim that they're saved at a moment in time. 
Well, to them, this is yet another verse. Uh, if you are disobedient um, it, through your actions and witness the people of, of Israel, then um, you have to ask yourself, do you really uh, do you really have faith in God if you if you know if, if you persist in your disobedience? So um, you know, ask yourself, what am what am I doing uh, that that requires a bit of uh, self reflection and uh, repentance? Okay, now here's a scary thought here. Verse twelve, chapter four. Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. So God can read your heart. God can read your mind. Here's verse 13. It gets scarier. No creature is concealed from him, but everything is naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must render an account. Please, please, please underline that verse, okay? Um, we sometimes think we got away with things. If you do something and it's against the law and nobody caught you, um, or, you know, let's say you cheat on your spouse and you didn't get caught and you think, okay, I got away with that. And maybe even on the day you died, no one ever found out about that thing that you did. And so you think, okay, I got away with it, right? In the Protestant view, you go to heaven, right? Without any cleaning up, if you will, because they'll say, oh, you're clean when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal savior. But what we just read in this verse 13 of chapter four says, you got to render an account for everything you do, right? You don't really get away with sin, okay? And that is why we as Catholics believe in the idea of purgatory, because that is where you are made aware, painfully so in some sense, of the sins that you didn't pay for on this earth. The things that you got, that you think you got away with on this earth because you were never called on them by other people, earthly authorities, etc. Okay, so you, you, uh, God is omniscient. He sees everything, all right? And so I think we sometimes forget about that, and we, we need to remember that. Okay, but the good news is Jesus is compassionate. So he knows about our weaknesses. And in verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. So I don't want to scare you too much here, but I do want you to recognize you don't get away with anything. So spend some time uh, thinking about your life thinking about things that you're involved in particularly now and confess them to God. Go to confession, receive absolution for them, do the penance required and reform your life. Repent, reform, reform your life. There is nothing that you can do that God can't forgive. So please, please, please consider that. 
Also consider that we're out of time. So next time we'll pick up on chapter five. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to rest in you. We want to rest in eternal life with you in, in heaven. And we know to do that, we need to trust you. And just as the wheelbarrow story that I have mentioned a number of times in earlier sessions, trusting isn't just saying, yeah, God, you you do it all and I'll just be a spectator. No, you want to have a relationship with us and we need to get into that wheelbarrow um, and trust that you will push it to the to the other side. So give us the grace to do that and to trust you and to follow you and to persevere with you. Help us to uh, do some self-reflection and recognize what we need to, to confess because we know that you are merciful and that you will forgive us and offer us that rest that you speak of. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.